in its early days, quite at the beginning, we may now say long, long ago, for it is now almost half a century ago, the ashram from its very start and quite spontaneously and inevitably grew into a community life. That is to say, the individual ceased to have any personal positions. Whatever they had belonged not to themselves but to the group, rather to the master of the group, the guru, to the mother and Sri Whatever they had, they considered as having received from the mother for use only. They are not proprietors or possessors of anything. Whatever they needed or the thought they needed, they had to ask for it and the mother decided what they should have or not. It was a joyous surrender of possessions and a grateful acceptance of gifts. One may yet remember the beautiful movement that impelled each one of those who were fortunate to be there at that time. One is reminded of a parallel movement, although on a different field, described by Tagore in his well-known lines. Purigalo karakari, agike bapran koribekadam, tarilagi taratari. There was a scuffle and a scramble, a great hurry as to who would be the first to throw away his life. Well, it was a picture worth contemplating. Here is one carrying his trunk or valise or wallet and placing it before the mother, displaying all his possessions and receiving them back from her as her gift. She did not take away anything as superfluous or not necessary. It was for us to judge and decide what was really necessary and what was luxury. We had to be sincere. She was generosity itself. The life of each one was directly linked with the mother. The relation between individuals was founded on the relation each one had with the mother. It did not depend on one's little liking or disliking one's attraction or repulsion, but it was as necessitated by the need of the common life as arranged by the mother. Such a life was possible because of two reasons, a physical reason and, secondly, a psychological reason. The physical reason was the number of people forming the ashram was very small. Instead of the two thousand and odd that we are today, there were at that time, the time I am speaking of, 
barely fifty, and there were no children. And of men, only those who were allowed, who had a real call for the spiritual life, those alone who were chosen by the mother and Sri Aurobindo and permitted to live here. And here is the natural psychological reason. It was a select group who had already had an inner life and spiritual aspiration. And so they were ready for a life of surrender and self-giving, obedience and allegiance to the Guru. They did not come ignorant and innocent of the rudimentary elements of spiritual life. The work that Mother could do then and was doing, she has herself described and explained to us. It was the creation of a world, a region at least, of the higher consciousness in which everyone who participated had his own place, everyone with his soul being sufficiently in front, and this being she could connect or link up with the being of the higher sphere, a counterpart, an oversoul as it were, for each. It was a kind of descent, a subtle incarnation of God's which the Mother's grace occasioned or brought about into the elevated and sublimated human level. The ground had already been prepared, we may note, by the descent of the 24th November 1926, the descent of the overmind or Krishna consciousness into Sri Aurobindo's body consciousness and thence generally into the earth atmosphere and becoming its natural and permanent possession. But arrived at one point, Sri Aurobindo happened to make an observation which meant halt. The mother narrates to us the story in an amusing way. One day Sri Aurobindo was telling the mother, what you are doing is very fine and very grand. It will bring you name and fame. You will become a world figure and your work a marvel. It will be a grand succès. Well, that was sufficient. The whole thing dropped from Mother's hands. The new creation vanished. There was a prolier. The gods withdrew. We came down the third upon earth, down to earth, earth to earth. We are still there, crawling, 
forward perhaps as best as we can. This creation of a luminous world in a higher sphere of the mind which Mother attempted could not be fully achieved for the foundations were not properly laid, the basic ground was not prepared. Any higher structure of the mind and over-mind must be built upon man's vital being and physical life. The new creation left out of account those realities of basement, so one had to come down, forgetting for the moment the higher realization, into these darker regions and make a thorough cleaning of them. The regions of the vital consciousness and the physical consciousness are, as we all know, full of human failings and dangerous complications. One has to leave the heavens and come down to these lower levels and tackle the problems that beset them. The crucial problems whose solution alone could lay a strong foundation for the final consummation, the supreme transformation. One had to face these stark realities there and master them before one could think of a heavenly ascent. So we all became once more ordinary human beings with human weaknesses and a modicum of aspiration, perhaps. This was then the task given to all to battle through and conquer here below. The scene changed completely. A midsummer night's dream turned almost into a somber Hamlet tragedy. The first sign of this return, this resumption of life as it is, was the reassertion of the individual, the freedom of the personal unit. Because of the increased number of people and because of the incursion of children, the earlier frame could no longer hold good. The willing surrender of individuality is a lesson that has to be acquired and achieved. It is not just God's gift for the many. The many have to grow, grow by degrees through toil and trouble and slowly led into the mysteries of the higher realization of surrender and self-giving. And towards that consummation, independence, freedom, is the first step. But once the climb down begins, it does not admit of an arrest. It becomes a slide down 
a continuous descent until you reach the very rock bottom of the veil of tears. The Roman poet spoke of the easy descent down the cliffs to the river Averno. The realization aimed at demands a wholesale change and integral transformation. It does not rest content with a partial success and attainment on one level, on one portion of the being. There is therefore a global shake-up. Nothing is allowed to remain in its old status unnoticed. All must come out and declare themselves to the light. Hence the darkness of it all. All the impurities, imperfections and vilenesses show themselves. The grass roots, as they say, that have to be extirpated and the ground ploughed and furrowed, prepared for the new seed. It is a difficult time. The heroic soul must bear and stand, know what it is, and move bravely on. I spoke of the community ideal that obtained among us at the outset of our life here, that broke to pieces. Individualism reared its gruesome head with all its inevitable consequences. Egoism had uncontrolled sway. Instead of submission and surrender and obedience, Freedom attained complete freedom, liberty pushed to license. Like individuals, collective bodies also in the matter of work and enterprises were allowed freedom to grow or perhaps not to grow independently. Each group or section, each undertaking sought to depend upon itself, secured its own personal equipment and resources, its gains were its own, and naturally losses were bound to be more than the gains. The real gain was perhaps the experience. The experience is meant to develop the consciousness and it is hoped that the consciousness did make a gain. The freedom, the devolution or departure from the central control went so far as to bring about, as I say, almost a real separation between the two. The same tendency, by the way, as you may notice in the play of world politics today. The limbs declared their independence and sought and fought for this independence. But that could only be at the cost of the heart. 
the calvary of the divine lay precisely here it is due to this sense of separation an individual exclusive self existence prevailing in his children issues of his own body the units in the cosmic body of the divine in the ignorance are indeed ignorant and the force that compels them to be together apparently is the forced bond of ignorance they seem outwardly to press towards inevitable disintegration and chaos in reality however this movement of dispersion out of bounds a flight away from the center harbors a reverse movement in it a self conscious advance towards the reawakening to the one central consciousness that is in all that is all this is an intermediate stage when the faults the imperfections in the creation the wrong forces that issued from and were inherent in the original ignorance and first aspiration had to be checked and met could not be allowed to lie dormant eternally therefore the rose and declare themselves so that the light can deal with it and swallow it one remembers the legend of the vedic rishi agastya and his consort who once attempted a new and renovated creation they were engaged in a tremendous and superhuman labor to discover the roots of evil upon earth the dug up opened out its very bowels they went deeper and deeper layer after layer of obstructive darkness till they arrived at the very source of the night they brought in there with them a light that could produce a reversal of consciousness changing darkness into radiance the lowest sphere of the vital and the physical is a mass of ignorant nature all moving together helplessly mechanically bound together in dissoluble to one inexorable fate and it stands on the rock of utter unconsciousness the inconscient which is the very basis and stuff of that sphere consciousness the conscient being has to come down or emerge and penetrate there break the hard block of inert matter striking and scattering and throwing up as it were its myriad disparate bits turning them into particles of light and consciousness these free sparks the first born of consciousness at the outset become erratic errant conscious units free but fighting against each other each exclusive in its unitary consciousness but that was the way towards a purer higher 
wider integrating consciousness. As the consciousness works and moves forward, the dross, the grit is blown away and it works towards a clear light and a harmonic weaving of all component units. We are thus in a transition period. It is an interregnum. It is beset with great difficulties, but there are also great opportunities. The Calvary is not merely a passage of pain and suffering. It is a purgatory. That is to say, a period or a zone, a process, where the being and consciousness are cleaning themselves, throwing off their own scales, shuffling their old skin, and in course of time will come out in a rejuvenated body and in a harmonious setting. Paradise lost, thus will have one day inevitably as its sequel and consummation, paradise regained. <laughs>